Welcome back to yet another movie podcast. Evan and Drew are back here with you again for another fun episode of this podcast. Drew, how's it going? Hi. Yeah, Drew's going through the ringer lately. Um, (laughs) He has reason to sound like that for once. Um, I always have those reasons, but go on. Yeah. Um, It was an eventful week for us, uh, movie-wise. We're going to stick with the movies. Uh, we got this catch one in theaters. There's a new release also out there and just rewatching or watching older stuff that we haven't seen before. So uh, do you want to start? We'll see what, what have you seen lately or do you want me to take this one? Um, I know one thing I, I saw recently that I kind of forgot until right now. Hmm. I rewatched um, the Scientology documentary that they did for HBO. I didn't know they had one. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's they're taking it off. Um, so oh, it's, they... it's one of those things in HBO Max that like it's leaving soon. It's their uh, yeah, it was going clear. It's their um, big documentary they did years and years ago now oh. about Scientology, and it's it was just it's always just so interesting to me. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll be able to check that out. Did you see that? Uh, just because you mentioned HBO, did you see that they're making a uh, a, a Woody Allen uh, documentary about the uh, sexual abuse allegations? I did actually see that trailer now. I saw it, I think it was earlier today or yesterday, and I saw it, and I made it like, oh, this is what you mentioned before when we were talking. Yeah, it's it's not a movie. It's a four-part series. Um, I'll probably end up watching it. But, yeah, I, I didn't know if you would check that out yet or not. Um, along with HBO as well, the uh, Snyder Cut for the Justice League, the, released the full, you were just, we were just talking about that. They released the full trailer. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Um, I I don't quite fully understand why everyone's excited for the idea of a Snyder cut, because I'm sorry, but Zack Snyder is not a very good director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can name one movie that I like of his, and that is Watchmen, which is what he's trying to turn the Justice League into. I, I like I like Dawn of the Dead, the remake that he did. Okay. I I did I actually really do like Watchmen. He did something that was actually very much close to, to, to the material. Yeah, he nailed it. Um, even like his the extended version. Now that extended version, I mean, they really go for it. Um, I haven't but, seen the extended version. Yeah, uh, and then there's um, three hundred. Right, he did three hundred. I'm pretty sure he did three hundred. Yeah, I liked three hundred as a kid, at least growing up. I saw it one time when I was a kid, and I don't think I was crazy about it then. And I probably won't be crazy about it. I, well, no, I shouldn't say it only one time. I've, I've caught it on TV here and there, but I mean, I, I, oh, it's it's masculine machoism, like to like down yeah. to eleven, and it, it it's yeah. just fun like that, though. Mm-hmm. I can't really think of anything else he did besides watch. I mean, Justice League, obviously, and Batman versus Superman, but you obviously we. If you've listened to the DC podcast, you know how we feel about Batman was he versus the one who Superman. Did was he the one who did Man Steel? Oh, you know why? I think he did. Hold on yeah, now. That, Hold yeah, on. that explains it. He, uh, he, he, he. Hold on. He did do Man of Steel. Yep, and that explains <laughs> that movie. He did do Man of Steel, and uh, he also did Sucker Punch. That's not a very good movie. No, it's not. I don't think I finished that because I didn't want to. Dawn of the Dead, I, you mentioned. I've seen pieces of it, and it does not look good. Yeah, he did a. 
What is this? <coughs> he did a documentary short on Michael Jordan. That's about it. That's all he's got, really. I know he also did a short film uh, all on like iPhones um, with his family. After, well, that's the sad part. His daughter committed suicide, so he was trying to. That's the whole reason we didn't get the Snyder Cut in Justice League. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh God, he's got four upcoming projects. Jesus, Army of the Dead. He's oh, got no. coming up. Yeah, no. D- Dave Bautista's in it. No, I refuse. I'm going to sabotage that production like Jay and Silent Bob. It's uh, it's actually in post production. Oh no, it's in pro- no, it's in post production. Sorry, it's already, it's already done. Done. this thing already exists. But Dave Bautista's in it. There is <laughs> Bruce. Campbell. It's it's done. It's done. No, no, no. You're thinking of Army of Darkness. Army of, oh, you're Army thinking of, of Army of Darkness. Yes, yes. That, the Army of Dead, I think, is something completely new. It's it's okay. following a zombie outbreak. Okay. Okay. Never mind. Fine. That'd yes. be terrible. Yes. No. You're that. You're confusing. Army. Yeah. Army of Darkness is what you're thinking. I heard Army. Yes. And yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm slow that way. There is a remake of Evil Dead, the first one, because you know Army of Darkness is the third of a trilogy. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm aware. Uh, but anyway. Um, I'm not, I don't know why people are excited for this as much. It's because he's very good at visuals, like he be, but he is terrible at actual direction. I I agree, I agree with that. And his movies do they look very very nice, but the but the substance is all off. Yeah, he's got. I think he needs some some help with his with the writing because sometimes he writes a lot of it. I think. He gets it his own way. I think he's got ideas out there. He just it's it's putting it to pen to paper. I think a lot of his issue, like he he can make some like some moments in even Ben vs Superman look very pretty. Yeah. Um. But then it, it it's lacking any substance or context of what it, of what's going on. It's just trying to look cool, and he can make things look very cool. But he's not actually any reason why. He'd be a great cinematographer. Yes, he would. Yeah, he'd be a great. Which I th- is that how he started? I wonder. He's let's see if he's got more cinematography credits than he does directing. No, he does not. But I take yeah, it. I he, take it back. Like I said he he has, he has a very good visual eye, but not a very good storytelling one. I agree. He wrote twelve. What is it? Oh, he wrote Justice League. Wonder. Oh, he wrote Wonder and, Woman. He wrote the story for yeah. Wonder Woman. Oh well, okay. He had help though. Him and five other people. Uh huh. You, you gotta watch out for when that someone does when yeah. someone says like that for Ryan and, he, and stuff. And he did the screenplay for the three hundred sequel, but he did not direct again. With well, not that was a good movie though either though. I didn't see that movie. I didn't either. I passed. Um, but <laughs> I mean, it it looks like it's gonna be a long. Oh, I think it's it. Well, originally they were going to break it up into four episodes. Remember that? Were they? They were going to do like what they did. Netflix did for the Hateful Eight, where they broke it down in episodes because it was long. They were going to do that for Justice League. And also, we saw the the uh, big uh, teaser at the end, which is that somehow the Joker from Suicide Squad, Jared Leto, yeah. got a tattoo removal. Hmm. Yeah, I saw that. He looks um, better. He looks terrifying. But it looks like he's a cannibal almost because the mouth, he's got all this black around his mouth. I don't know. It, it He does I look terrifying. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know 
why any of this is happening. I mean, let's be real. I'm going to watch this movie. I mean, yeah, it looks like it's going to be very, very, very different from what Justice League was. Yeah, Joss Whedon tried to fix what he could, I guess. Well, I mean, well, I mean, they gave seventy million dollars to this movie, the Snyder Cut. Not, yeah, correct. So I, 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 I don't know. I really have no idea what to expect with it. Um, what have you seen? I've seen a lot. I've been kind of busy actually with it all. Well, I've been busy with work, but uh, trying to fit in a lot of movies. Uh, I watched uh, Mank. That's getting nominated for a bunch of Golden Globes and awards and stuff. So I said, oh, okay, I'll watch Mank. And um, it wasn't bad. It was enjoyable. Uh, I got after I watched it, I got sent down a rabbit hole of reading the true stories of all these people because it's based off a true story. If anyone doesn't know, it's the movie about. Herman Mankiewicz, who uh, wrote uh, Citizen Kane. And uh, it's like one of the best things. Gary Oldman's Mank. He's pretty good in it. Uh, Amanda Seinfried plays Marion Davis, who is supposed to be the person who is uh, um, the woman in Citizen Kane, who she's based off of. And Charles Dance is the guy. Um, it wasn't bad. Uh, it was kind of nice. It's a David Fincher film, but it's not a t- typical David Fincher film. It was kind of interesting. Um, his dad actually wrote the screenplay a long time ago when it was supposed to be made, but just didn't get off the ground. His dad has since passed. So I guess it was kind of nice to see his son finally make the movie his dad wrote. Hmm. Um, wasn't bad. I, I enjoyed it. It's long. It's a little longer than I wanted it to be. Um, but it was fine. It's a fine movie. Um, I'd I'd re- I'd think if anyone's really into the the golden age of films, like I I have been lately. I, w- I always have, but I've been watching it more lately. Um, I would recommend watching it. I know people who are though, kind of gets stuck up on de- little details about stuff. Um. But the acting's good. It was kind of weird. It, you know, they're kind of like a really fast-paced kind of scenes played out. And then you're like, the brakes just hit you and you get whiplash. Because all of a sudden, it's the slowest movie that could have happened. Um, but no, Mank, Mank's not bad. I liked Mank. Um, and then I watched, going into the golden age of films, I watched Sunset Boulevard. Um, and there's a story behind that. Because I was... Uh, when I was younger, I knew all, I was always in the movies and no one else really was. So they'd all quiz me on actors and movies and directors. I'd, they'd name a movie and I'd name everyone and I'd get it all right. Well, the adult that we were, tra- we were traveling around the country and the adult heard what we were doing. He named Sunset Boulevard and I didn't know it. So he won. I, my, my streak was over. So the mer- movies Kurt, haunted me ever since. And I bought it and I, I have this habit of buying movies and not watching them right away kind of like what Edgar Wright was saying on his podcast and uh, I was going to put it on and I actually have this not a pet peeve but this weird thing when I you watch stuff and you know what I'm talking about when, like when shows or t- movies reference something in a, another movie they're like kind of making fun of it and like oh oh like how everyone now um, makes a joke about the pool scene that opens up Sunset Boulevard yes and I didn't know that 
And so I'm sitting there watching it and it's opening. I'm like, oh, shoot. I'm like, I know this from freaking Archer. And it makes it made me kind of mad because I'm like, oh, I never wanted to be this person. And now I'm sitting here watching this. And it got me again. The freaking movie haunted me again. And I'm like, gosh. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I like Sunset Boulevard, though. It was really good. Um, Bill, it's a Billy Wilder movie. He's pretty he was a pretty big name back in the in the 50s. Um, so yeah, if you're into that, watch Sunset Boulevard. I liked it a lot. And then what did I, it was that three, it was that marathon I did. Oh, Dogma, Dogma. That, and that was the big, I text, mm. when I texted you, I'd watching Dogma. You're like, oh, this is the moment because that was the last movie I needed to watch to see all the view askew movies. I, I love Dogma. I know. That's it, what it's my favorite Kevin Smith movie. I know. And I liked it. I don't know if it was my favorite of his after thinking about it. It's up there. I think I'd still have to put Chasing Amy at number one, but uh, I don't know. I like Clerks 2 a lot, though, too. Uh, I, I, he begged me to take it all away. He begged me not to make it true. Ah, that's such a good line. Such a good scene. You know, after watching all this, all now that I've seen all the View Skew movies, and I think this it's what I think Kevin Smith made you into the person you are today. Because all you do, especially when we bring up Lord of the Rings, you just go off on that clerks to rant. Yes, I do. It's the funniest rant to me. Oh God! Uh, what else? I watched uh, an Irish film. Extra, I think it's that Irish film. Were that or no? It's UK. UK. Um, Extraordinary. It's not that old of a movie. It came out in twenty nineteen. Uh, it's about a woman who can talk to ghosts. Uh, it was all right. You know, it was it was kind of nice. It was like kind of my pl- palate cleanser for all the heavy movies we had seen. So I mean, it was fine. I wouldn't go out and highly recommend the movie at all by any means. If you want to watch it at your own risk, go ahead. Um, and then I just watched last night the original 1933 King Kong on that very expensive Blu-ray I bought. Uh, and it's great. I mean, I, I've seen it before on TV when I was young, so like I don't remember a lot of it, but I well, I know it's it's a very famous movie. And uh, no, that's great. I love the I love King Kong. Plus, I needed to get my fix in. I can't wait for Kong versus Godzilla. Or Godzilla versus Kong. Sorry, I screwed that up. I remember one other movie I saw. Um, I rewatched uh, War Dogs on Netflix. Oh, did you? Yeah. How was that? I I still enjoy that movie. Have you seen that no, one? Not all the way. It it's a very common movie in like terms of like one... you're watching the rise and fall of criminals. This, that's the one with Jonah Hill, right? That's Jonah Hill and um, I can't think of his name now. Miles Teller. Miles Teller. Uh, and it was uh, Todd Phillips directing. Oh. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about Todd Phillips. <laughs> I mean, he did The Hangover, which was nice. But then, oh, wait, am I thinking of something? Am I screwing this up? No, you're thinking of the right person. Go on. For Joker? Yeah, yes, okay. Me, Joker. Yeah. Oh, God. That movie. Anyway. But yeah, I like I like War Dogs, and I still uh, think it's fun. And um, 
Mm. That that's nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm trying to think. Did I see anything else? Did I see anything else? Let me look. Let me look. Let me look. I don't think so. I think that was it. Besides the two, we might kind of focus on here a little bit because I don't. I didn't get your reaction on this one movie that I want to bring up. Because what? We'll save the movie because you. I know we'll save the one that we saw in the theater together. I, I didn't get your thoughts. Uh, you sent me that quick text about uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. I did, and you didn't respond. I, I, so was, I was just watching turn- King Kong. I'm sorry. So I was just like, okay, well, I guess he doesn't want to conversate, so I'm just going to leave it there. I didn't see it until you texted me again this morning. And, um... Uh, I mean, the director points it out in an interview that they pretty much just um, snuck in uh, a Fred Hampton biopic into a Departed film. I was oh dang, I was gonna bring that that up because it it very much is a lot like the de- um, it's not an it is but like the Departed. It is. It's it's, yeah, like, it's the like Departed, the Depart- but just it, it, yeah. And I loved The Departed, and I love Martin Scorsese, but, um, yeah, go, so go ahead. What were your thoughts? I, I didn't get them. I know I told you what I thought, briefly. You you, you started telling me, yeah. but, yeah. <clears throat> um, I enjoyed the movie. Um, it, I, I, I text them, like, man, did the government just really hate these people? Yeah. I mean, like really hate them. They, I was, I didn't realize um, Martin Sheen was in the movie. I saw him in the credits, and I'm like, oh, I wonder who he is. And then it popped up. I'm like, oh, he's gonna be Hoover here. I'm like, okay. And he, man, is they. Oh, was that? Oh, that was him. He's supposed to be J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah. Well, I I knew that was J. Edgar Hoover, but I didn't know that was uh, that was yeah. um, Michael Sheen. Martin, Mar- okay. Martin Sheen. Martin yeah. Sheen. Martin yeah, Sheen. It's supposed to be that's Martin Sheen. I'm like, oh, huh. Well, like that's a surprise. Yeah, he was a terrible human being. Oh, Hoover, yeah, um, yeah. I knew that before this, but it's uh, way worse than what we thought. Yeah, I want you want you want to say, oh, it's probably dramatized up a bit. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, every U.S. president that lived with Hoover in charge of the FBI hated him. And I mean, when he died, they went rushing to get to his office to get those files that he had on everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I I went I meant to go on and look and see how I could per- how to pronounce his name, and I didn't do it. But yeah, I don't I don't know how to pronounce uh, the uh, man who played Fred yeah, it's, Hampton. It's name. Daniel starts with a K. Um, he's really good. He's uh, yeah he yeah he, he was really good as Fred. And so was Lakeith mm-hmm. uh, Stainfield. I mean, he was good as um, Bill O'Neill. Um, and Jesse, I found I find it interesting though that um, do you know? I mean, I know that they they put in the credits how old um, Fred Hampton was mm-hmm. during this movie. You know how old was um, O'Neill was? He was a kid too. He was he was young. yeah he was real young, but he was only seventeen years old. Oh. I didn't think it was seventeen. All these things, he was seventeen. Well, Fred's only twenty-one, so I mean, yeah, but that's still, Lord. And neither Daniel or Lakeith are the ages they're playing at. No, they're about yeah, 30. they're, like, they're both their thirties. 
Almost yeah. there, yeah. Around 30. Um, I like how they did make um, O'Neill, because <clears throat> uh, those don't know, it's that uh, the basic plot line is that this car thief, um, Bill O'Neill, gets caught by the cops uh, for impersonating an officer. FBI. He was an FBI agent. FBI. But it will be considered... Yeah. Um, so the real actual FBI take him and they have him as an informant. And they want him to be an informant in the Black Panther Party that was in Illinois. Yeah, it takes place in Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we want... And that's really the setup for the whole movie. Um, what did you think of it? I thought it was really good. And I enjoyed it more when uh, the director came out and said, it's like, this is like his departed. I thought that, that, that was really nice. And I could see a lot of that element in it. Um, really well done. I don't think a lot of people, I don't think Fred Hampton is a household name like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. But, I think this movie's trying to show that he should be. Um, obviously, the stuff with O'Neill was sad at the end. You know, they really what happened to him. I'm not going to spoil it. Um, it's really good. I mean, it was shot really well. I mean, I like the I, and then what I mean, like he's definitely playing a homepage to Marty Martin Scorsese. Why, you know, the opening shot. You know, they, you know, it's that where Lakeith's standing in front of the diner. And then he walks away and it still follows him, looks at the car and he turns back and there's like a full 360 back. And it's like a single shot. They're like following him in. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what he did in Goodfellas. And then the other one where he, um, when the, this is not a huge spoiler really, but when the cops have surrounded the Black Panther holdout, the headquarters in Illinois, in Chicago, they, um, he's, Lakeith's on the roof. And they follow, the camera follows him as he goes down the stairs trying to get around the other Black Panthers that he's set up, you know, where the cops. So I, I thought it was a really well shot movie. I think um, I think his name's Shaka King. I say, yeah. yeah. He, he was really good. I, I thought he really did a really nice job with the movie. I mean, I enjoy the whole uh, the whole reality of it is that he was most da- that Fred Hampton became one of the most dangerous men in Hoover's eyes because he simply tried to get everyone together that was un- that was about around the poverty line around right, Chicago. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, that's true. It's a good point. Didn't he, he was he was not trying to make it completely about race, about about anything else, but just flat out. That there's all these very rich men in power, and there's all uh, many, many, many more poor people, and that's not right. He was able to get a. Uh, they weren't the KKK, but he walked. No, the young yeah, patriots the young patriots. That patriots. Was not, uh, they were not a very friendly group of uh, young people. Yeah, and and he gets he gets them, he gets them on his mm-hmm. side. I mean, yeah, no, I I get it. Why I, I I'm a little surprised that Hoover thought it was so bad. I mean, I mean, yeah, I guess it's Chicago, but um, well, uh, well, because uh, I I need showing all the trails mm-hmm. and everything else, but it's it's the the line that sums up the, the issue with Fred Hampton, where there's people, there's power. Yeah. 
And I still like that, that no matter what things were going against him, he, his dedication to what he was, what he wanted to achieve was, was never really deterred. No. Like even while, even while he, um, at some point he does go to prison in the movie Fred Hampton. And even in the, in prison, like when he's writing letters to people, he uh, rang letters to his girlfriend. Um, he still says like, you know, I probably could actually even get the guards in here. Yeah. On my side. Yeah. He probably could have too. Um, but he saw it as an opportunity to, to try and actually recruit prisoners and stuff, and also like, well, I can also probably even get some of the guards in here to listen to me. Yeah, and I, I thought because I, I know, I didn't know, I, I knew they probably weren't going to show it, the because he's involved with the trial of the Chicago Seven with uh, Bobby Seale. And they they do mention Bobby Seale, Hoover, who you know Hoover's doing it in a very horrible way of the monster that he was. Um, but I was kind of confused. I don't. I know this is a movie. I get that, but the timeline because suppose like Hampton's still in jail when Hoover's talking about Bobby Seale being tied up in the middle of the courtroom. Well, also, I mean. Well, so you have to remember that he was that that went on for months. Um, in reality, uh, he was actually tied up like that for the entire case until he was uh, dismissed. That's a good point. So that's a good point. Uh, so also, yeah. So then, so they also, I mean, movies are going to be a little bit inaccurate. Yeah, but yeah it's well, going to be well. That's why I said, that's why I said because, it. I'm like, yeah, I, mean, I know it's going to be inaccurate, but. But yeah, the timelines kind of will link up a little bit with there. I think it's a nice double feature. I think you could watch uh, you could probably watch Trial of the Chicago 7 and then you could go and watch Judas and the Black Messiah. I, I think they'd work really well as a double feature together. Mm. And do you, unless you have a different opinion. Do you think I'm wrong? Or? No, no, no. Um, I was just thinking like they um, in Trials of Chicago 7, um, okay, so I, I guess this would be a major spoiler for Judas and Black Messiah, but also anyone who knows the history it's of any really, of this, yeah, it's a real, this is all, yeah, it's a all true. Uh, Fred Hampton, it, 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 he, he is assassinated at one point. Um, so that is a point, like, that's a story point in Trials of Chicago 7, and that's, of course, the, close to the end of this movie. But it's real. It's real life. So I mean, it's not like yeah. Yeah, it's real life. Yeah, but they but they bring uh, but they bring it up though in uh, Trial of Chicago Seven, uh, specifically like uh, he, he uh, Seal he keeps yelling. He's like, he's like they're they're gonna look at his body and they're gonna see that he had a bullet in his shoulder. How could a man fire a gun with a bullet in his shoulder like that? Yeah, and that really didn't. I didn't see that in um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, um, I don't know, like everyone else with it because they they just shot what, what I think it was. They said how many rounds into that into that house? Oh boy, I don't remember. It was like uh, it, it may have been a lot. They shot a lot in there. I mean, other people were shot; they just weren't killed. Well, there, uh, mm-hmm. there's one other kid that was in that. Yes, he, went, yeah, he, was, he was killed. killed. He was killed right at the door. 
and then uh, obviously Fred. And it's not really a spoiler to the movie. I mean, if, I mean, unless you don't know who Fred Hampton is, I guess it will be. But it's it's a real life story, so I mean, it's not like Fred Hampton was really killed in real life. He was um, murdered. Well, murdered. He was murdered, assassinated. Oh, yeah, so I mean, there's another another way to say he was assassinated for his uh, political uh, ideology and by his actions. Yeah, by the police. Um. Well, more by the FBI, by Hoover. Yeah, more by the more FBI. by the FBI. But yeah, it was it was Chicago PD that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like Judas and the Black Messiah. I mean, it's um. It's di- it's like a little. Di- it shows you more um of the other side of it compared to One Night in Miami. Which was them talking about stuff where this one you I mean obviously it's different. You're in Fred Hampton showing action. Um but obviously Malcolm X he referenced Malcolm X. At this point in the story, Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X are gone. They've they've already been killed. Mm-hmm. Um so Fred it almost seems like Fred Hampton's the last man standing in a way. And then and at the end of it though, that's kind of the moral of the story. I mean, is that even with Fred gone, I mean is it's really not over. I mean, he's everything's still standing. Mm-hmm. I do. I do like that. Um, at one point, the uh, Chicago PD tried to burn down and pretty much bomb the Black Panthers uh, chapter. Um, yeah, building in the city. And th- what's the immediate reaction of everyone who witnessed it? Is that they walked over quietly and just went, "Do you need a hand?" To all the Black Panthers. Yeah, even the, uh, what do they call them, the Crowns? Was that the other gang that was there? Yeah, the Crowns. Yeah, yeah they yeah, even yeah. came and helped. But, yeah, but it just, it started simply with just two kids that walk in into a burnt out, bombed building and just ask if they can actually lend a hand. I probably don't tell, not a spoiler, it is a little bit. When Fred gets out of jail, he thinks it, it's been burnt down and there's nothing left and he, he shows up and it's been fixed. Mm-hmm. I, I also like how they show that they do show the um, that O'Neill, who is who is the main character in this movie, really, um, how torn and kind of complex he is. He, in some ways, he actually does believe in the cause that he is being informant for, but in some ways, he he doesn't quite fully believe or is in or is invested in it it was Um, weird because he i know what you're saying it almost seemed like there was at times he was really into being an fbi informant and then there was times where it's along the i think along the movie he realized what that fred hampton had something good to say he started believing in fred hampton's cause maybe i mean it's I think that it was all, it's always for him, it was always to a point. And I think that was the point of self preservation. Yeah. Um, like, uh, like yeah, how, of course, he was never actually probably going to really shoot back at the uh, Chicago PD when they attacked the, the headquarters. Um, Panthers headquarters. But uh, just the, uh, the way he moved around, it just very much was out of self preservation. Sur- he's a survivalist. Else. Yeah, he won. 
Yes, he's a survivor. Uh, um, uh, the ending, though, with that, I like how bittersweet of a moment it is for him. Uh, when uh, his his uh, handler hands him the envelope. Yeah, Jesse Jesse Palemos is the uh, the FBI handler. Mm-hmm. And um, he has that moment of, of he's like, but I'm not a panther anymore. And it's like, are you? And he just takes the envelope that's his bribe to keep to continue working for them, and just that's the end of it. It just cuts. Yeah. I, like I said, it, it's a mostly a movie that I think should be watched. I think it's a good. I think it's a really good movie. Um, I think, especially for the times that are going on right now as well. Um, I, I just think it's also you know I think Shining Light on Fred Hampton. Like I said before, you know he's not. He's probably not a household name like Doctor King and Malcolm is, and I think he probably should be. Mm-hmm. I do. I like the fact that because um, before he is uh, killed that night, there um, all the other uh, Panthers are discussing where they're going to try I, and hide him. Um, yeah. Hide him, pretty much, because at this point he before he he was actually killed. Um, they already had a warrant out for his arrest. He was going to right. be arrested. Like you know, this was just right. a fact, and. Um, you know they're talking about using this money to go to you know for him to go to Cuba to go this place this, and he his response is like and so all this you all of y'all forgotten that we're he trying to build a medical facility, that clinic, yeah. So it's not about me. I can't remember where, where did he get that money from again. The crowns, the crowns. gave him okay. I couldn't remember from them. I would, uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought it was really mm-hmm. well done. And like I said, that the Departed element, and I'm a very big fan of that movie. And uh, it was great. Um, well, here's the movie. I know you were. I've been pushing it back for you because I knew you were trying to gather your thoughts on it. You were very tired when we saw it. Drew and I went and spent Valentine's Day together. And we went to see Nomadland. And it was... The only showing it had it in was an IMAX. And thank God they showed it in IMAX. I mean, the wide shots on that just looked so fantastic on that screen. And it was... Do you want me to start with it or do you want to kind of form an opinion? Oh, no, no, no. You you may speak. Um, First, I want to give credit to Chloe Zhao. I mean... When it, the credits came up and it showed that she wrote, directed, and edited the movie, I'm like, wow, this thing was this was her baby here. Um, it stars Frances McDormand, which is, I, we like her. She's in a lot. Um, again, if you're not good with names, she's the main character in Fargo, and more recently she's in through three billboards outside of Evington, Missouri. Um, she was really good in it, but I like that this even though she's the main character like she's the lead actress it's only there's only two real actors in this movie it's her and i can never i can't pronounce his last name either but david he's in the born trilogies and he's in a lot if you've seen it you if you've seen any kind of movie he's usually in it um 
that's it. And it's really not even so much about her most of the time. It's mostly about the real people they got in this movie that live. So the whole premise of the movie is I skip that. I do it every time. Um, it takes place during 2011 when the, they're, they're still at the tail end of the Great Recession. And um, Francis, oh shoot, what's her name? What's her character? Anyway, her character um, lost her home. And so she's living in a van. And she's tricked, like, all these, they're called nomads. And it's not just her. It's, like, a whole bunch of people that had to do this. And they rake their vans out or trailers to so they can live in them. And it's, again, it's it's not about her. It's all the real pe- people in it and their stories and how they've lived through this life. It does feel almost much like yes. a documentary in some moments. Yes, because... Like she, like she just approaches people, and like they just start telling their. Yeah, because the story with Linda May right off the bat, it didn't seem like that was a movie mm-hmm. scene. It really seemed like that was Francis and Chloe Zhao just sitting down and getting this woman's story. And it turns out Bob Wells, the guy who gives that the line that you really love, that you've been waiting for, mm-hmm. he is a YouTuber, like a real YouTuber, and he's uh, for that kind of lifestyle who's in it. And it's like, and Swanky. Uh. The older lady that was in it, I don't know if I don't know what happened to her, but um, I can't believe that what happened to her is what happened in the I, movie. I kind of do too, and it's just—it's it, a very—it's hard to put words on this movie. It's so well done, and I mean the the pride that they show um, when Frances McDormand is taking Linda into the van and she's giving her like a tour of like, Oh, I, I, you know, here's some storage. And I, I put this lid down and it's extra counter space. It's like, it almost, it sounds like a conversation that people would have in their new home or like something they've done in a new home. And it's, you kind of forget that this is the van. This is the van she's living in. And I just, I'm kind of awestruck by it. Cause it, uh, I, I don't know. I I I thought I had an opinion of it, and then I started talking about it. Now I'm not sure I do. Um, her character is one that's I feel is hard to nail down. Um, and that has a point in the movie. Um, she truly is nomadic. I think. Yes. Um, I think that in some ways that she, we because we see throughout the movie that she run the characters that kind of do find uh, a sense of where they want to be, where they want to settle down for. Um, but that's just not her. She, well, she does have the um, option. Like, and, and, and every time, everyone gives her the option of, like, you can stay here, you can stay here, you can stay here, you can stay as long as you want here, every, you know, X amount of places that she's gone to, but none of them are quite right. None of them are quite, are quite what she wants. Right. Because there's an offer right in the very beginning of a, a family friend, and then you know there's mm-hmm. her sister, and then there's uh, David's character, and even and uh, Linda, Linda May, May yeah, offer even offers you know you can you know be in Arizona, you can come at any time and stay as long as you want. And it's like maybe that's the point because she'd still really. 
I guess thinking about it, because she lives in her van, she goes place to place, and all these people are offering it to her. You can stay as long as you want, but really you don't want to be that person that's like, oh, I don't want to be a burden. I'm going to leave and then join to another place. It's pretty much it'd be the same thing. Mm. I mean, it's, it's telling that at, by the end of the movie, because um, we know that she she lost her home. She lived in this um, town called Empire. I thought Nevada. that was the company. I thought, oh, that was I, I thought the company, area. the manufacturer place she worked for was Empire. I, th- I think they kind of shared the names because well, the, the idea yeah. is that when the company went, when the company goes when it went down, the entire town was erased off the map. It went out of business within like six months, nine yeah. months or so, and it was completely erased, just mm-hmm. gone. Well, Everyone prior to that, gone. her husband had died. While and also her and her husband died. For, uh, husband died, and um. They by the end of it, we do hear her discuss um, the fact that she really only ever stayed in one place at Empire for so long because her husband. Right. That he, he was the only person that could that convinced her in her whole life to stay. No one ever had still. Like they mentioned, like because you do get um more with a conversation um. Between her and her sister, and her sister says, "You know, I, you know, and we know that as soon as you know you got your chance, you left home. You, you were always more out out there yeah. than I was. Um, but it it was almost a, mo- a moment like she was a little stuck in that empire home with her husband because she mentions like, you know, we didn't have kids, he didn't really have family, and if I." disappeared he'd have no one it'd be like he never existed right well I think that's why she because he had died before Empire had gone under and her thought when she was talking to Bob was when uh, now we're this is we're kind of spoiling the movie but um, Heath Empire to him was his family his home so when he died, that was why she stayed, even after he had died, because she could have left and gone mm-hmm. somewhere else and done what she's doing now. But she decided to stay for him until it closed, and she left. And then she, well, she didn't have a choice. Yeah. And she lost the house, her job, and like the, the, the fat manufacturer was in the middle of nowhere, and so was the town. The town was like right down the street in the middle of nowhere. I mean, but uh, but she always. I think they they showed it pretty much um, that she always had that restlessness to her, to that she didn't like being put like put down one spot right. for too long. Right. Um. Like they like even it's telling that their home and empire was on the edge of town, and that their backyard was basically all desert and mountain. That she could wander. It, it was, it was really, like I said, the scenery that Chloe Zhao picked was really beautiful. I mean, I mean, like I said, I'm glad we saw it in IMAX because she did a lot of wide shot. Like the, it was just really well done. I mean, all those wide shots she had in there, it just made it look so much better. Um. I really enjoyed that scene that she has um, with the young uh, homeless 
kid that kind of nomad mm-hmm. wanderer. Yeah, he gave kid. Her, she she gave him a cigarette earlier in the movie, then she finds him again. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know why, but I just I I really enjoyed that. It was moment. a good moment. It was nice. I really enjoyed. It. I'm like I said, it, it a lot. Of, so much of this does feel a bit like it's documentary style, where we're kind of just following these characters along a little bit. Well, like I said before, I looked into it, and there's there's Francis McDormand, and then the David character. Those are the only two real actors in this movie. That's it. No, everyone else is real. Hmm. And I think I mean, I do like that they do show um uh the this this young man beforehand was also part of this big group of um young kind of but not very pretty looking wanderers you know with big dreadlock hair and everything and it's just telling you these young people that have chosen to give up mm-hmm. things on some level yeah they chose the lifestyle where it's kind of some of it almost a difference because some of them didn't choose this lifestyle. I will is they and they they show that um, the nomadic lifestyle that a lot of these people face um, a lot for for a lot of people it is a choice. It's a choice uh, they feel it's yeah. personal freedom and things like that. But also you you're dealing with people who might be suffering mental health issues, actual, you know, regular physical health issues, uh, PTSD. Um, uh, just the list goes on of issues, just, just people that just don't quite fit into quote unquote normal society. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, like I said, it is interesting that, No, Frances McDormand's character is um, she doesn't really talk. She, like she doesn't talk that much. I mean, a lot of she's by herself a lot. Um, because really they there's a gathering every so. I think maybe what was it once a year? Maybe they came together to do tips maybe. and stuff like that. And sometimes they'd meet up along the road and um. And she didn't want to go at first. Then she found herself really enjoying it, you know, being around people that have also in the same life as she has. And um, it, it it it's the closest that we see that she is actually um, wanting to be part of a uh, right. community. Yeah, and it's the whole thing's about being free of a community, and yet they've built their own instead anyway, but in a different way. You know, they don't mm-hmm. see each other all the time. Like I said, she she's a bit incapable of um, some of the normal, like the normal, quote unquote, like ideas, um, like living with her sister, her and her um, what looks off more well off husband and stuff. It just doesn't feel right to her. I mean, at one point, I mean, her her sister, you know, says like, "You can stay as long as you want." She's like, "I I can't. I cannot stay in this house. I cannot stay in this bed. I cannot stay under this roof." Um, it's telling because also, uh, her husband's well uh, more well off. Um, the sister's husband because he is a realtor, and they they're joking about it. Um, him and his coworkers about how just somehow you know the housing market always just bounces back, and 
they're saying this in front of a woman who's lost everything and not just the, and not just her house but her, she has watched her entire town her entire way of life disappear yeah, yeah that's true and even when um uh david's character he goes to his son has a grandchild and he goes there to stay there and she goes to visit him and she looks at his van because he's a nomad and there's a flat tire and she goes in and she's talking to him and they have this moment alone. She goes, you know, you got a flat tire in your van. He goes, Oh, do I? He goes, Oh, well, I never really noticed. And she kind of, you know, starting to realize, Oh, he's not, he's never going to leave. Well, cause, you know, she flat says like, yeah, because you're, this is where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And you know he he tries to you know see you know it's apparent that he does have feelings for her on yeah. some level and he wants to try and she's just not capable of it because once again like she just the idea to her of staying in this house and kind of playing grandmother is just not appealing to her in any way. Um, like one of her moments of true joy is when she is alone and going through like this national park area. Yeah, she, and like sees like a bison, and she swims in this lake and by herself and everything down this creek, and like you see that she's like really happy. Yeah, that's true. And then she like celebrates Christmas by herself and New Year's Eve. She kind of goes off by herself, and she just doesn't care. Mm-hmm. She doesn't mind. I mean, it, on some, uh, I think so, maybe she does mind sometimes, but also it's one of those things where the the social constructs that we fa- that we make, I think might make her feel less. But then when she goes out into the wilderness, she feels at home. Yeah. More. Like being alone on, on Christmas, you know, in her van, eat, you know, or, or on um, on New Year's, you know, in the van, eating stuff from cans that look, sound sad or whatnot. But then, like, you get these wonderful moments where, you know, just complete absolute freedom of, you know, yelling through a canyon by yourself and everything. It's kind of showing that it's not a perfect life, but it's the life she's chosen. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be lonely, but at times it's not. I mean, that's kind of like life is in general anyway. And it's really more, no matter what you're doing, either you're a nomad or you're in society, you're, you're really going to get the same outcome. And just how you experience it is different. It's a very sweet movie. Um, Chloe Zhao, I think, has a bright future ahead of her. I know she's doing um, she's doing the Eternals. Okay, that was the movie I knew. Okay, I knew that she was attached. Yeah, she's going to be movie. doing the Eternals for Marvel, and that's. I mean, look at what's doing the Taika Waititi's career. Um, when actually all mm-hmm. the Hecalades, I just saw recently that she's been signed on to do the new Dracula movie. Yes. She? But not just any Dracula movie. I mean, it's gonna be. It's they're kind of like what they're doing with the Invisible Man. You know, they just they just recently came out. The, it's Blade. Huh? Oh, and I'm joking. It's I was gonna say it's no, Blade. No, 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 no. Dracula, oh, maybe, yeah. but no, no. It, it's it's no, it's she no. signed. It's for Universal. Um, but the the Dracula movie she's doing is gonna be set in the future. It's gonna be a futuristic sci-fi western. Yeah, that just that that 
The list of the. the <laughs> hold on. Give me a second. I got this information from the Fat Man the, Beyond podcast, and Kevin and, and all the all those words. And Kevin together. Smith had the same reaction. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. So it's a Dracula movie. Sci-fi, futuristic, yep, western. Do they break know. out the song as well at I some point, know. or I, you know, I, I think that they might, have, you know, missed out on a couple of genres there. Is there an animated I segment? I when I heard that, I'm like, oh, okay, sure, let's let's see where this goes. Oh, well, you could kind of argue that they we do have a futuristic sci-fi western already. You could make the argument that Blade Runner 2049 is. Or Logan, even Logan for that matter. Uh, but no, I'm not. Uh, but not. That's not my. Point. Well, yeah. Dracula. Okay, <laughs> that that's not even that, that's not my argument at all. Because like that, uh, like the idea of a sci-fi western it, it, that was Firefly yeah, that's true. Or anything else. But Dracula. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's set in the future. Okay, that's already yeah. going to be a problem. It's going to be set also with a Western theme. That's going to be a problem as well with a sci-fi element mixed in. Okay, we got uh, we got ourselves a, a party going on here. Oh, boy. How long is it going to be? Mm, I'll get back to you. Because <laughs> there's, there's going to be each segment. We're going to go into the future. Okay, and that sets up the sci-fi part of it. All right. And then we got to fit in the Western theme. So to set that up, we, we're setting it up. Ah, uh, boy. Uh, it, I was doing okay. Until you heard about the Dracula movie that's going to be. Yeah. Oh, just, no, here's how she pitched it. Okay, here's this. It's a set in the future, okay? Sci fi. It's going to be a sci fi, okay? We'll have a Western element. Okay, great. The main character is Dracula. <laughs> what? Oh, wait, don't we have that with uh, Daybreakers? No, I mean, Daybreakers, it, it's set in the future, and it's a, a vampire movie and um, sci-fi-ish, I guess, but it's not Western. There's no, no Western thing to it. I, but, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'll give it a shot. I mean, I'll give it a shot. Maybe. I don't know. I thought I'd get that in on you. I, I just saw it. I saw that it was announced and I was listening to the Fat Man Beyond podcast and Mark brought it up to Kevin and Kevin goes, okay, sure, I can buy that. <laughs> well, that's that. Anything then. else you want to say about James and the Black Messiah, Nomadland, Zack Snyder? Dracula. Um, you know, I never really say a final goodbye. I just say see you down the road. Yeah, that hurt. It was nice. I know we were waiting. It's a, that's a line in the trailer, and we were waiting and waiting for it, and they, that's how they took us home. All right, well, I I don't really have anything else to say. 
think we've kind of covered no. it. Um, you looking forward to anything coming up soon? I know we we had. Uh, I know we had last podcast. We said we'd try and get at least two out of the three. We then we got two out of three. We had to. Minari was nowhere to be found in theaters, so we had to do the eighth twenty four screening room. And by the time we got on the buy tickets, I mean we got like some of the last four show times. Um, but hopefully you people are listening. You guys got on it. If not, I think they said there are going to be more show times, but I, mine's the 22nd on Monday and what you got the Tuesday one the day after. Mm-hmm. So probably the next, next podcast will get you uh, Minari. We'll find out how our feelings on Minari are. Is that, will that be, I, yeah, I think I that think might be next. Depends yeah. on when we record. All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's uh, it's gonna do it for us. So, uh, any final goodbyes you got, Drew? Oh, that's right. We don't do goodbyes. No, nope. we'll say we'll say see All you right. down. And the road. on that note, we'll end it here, and we'll catch you guys next time.